Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This is our listener mail segment for the week. Uh, as the Cenobites say, we have such wonders to show you. As Willy Wonka used to say, we're doing the... Um, you know, come with us uh, to a land of pure imagination. Uh, But these are pure facts. We will be uh, exploring some things that may not be suitable for all listeners in today's episodes. Just a heads up on that. Today, we're going to hear from uh, Jen, Lori, and Anton. Maybe not in that order. Uh, Where where do you think we should start, guys? We've got a decades-deep cover-up. We've got a... uh, a spooky story. Uh, we've got we've got a weird, oh, another weird possible corruption case um, that may be on the minds of many Americans today. We can start wherever. I was kind of hoping to hold off on the spooky story as a palate cleanser between the two, if that's okay. <laughs> okay. Well, should we dive <laughs> headlong into pedophiles? 
Uh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is that a weird way of putting it? I guess it is. I'm sorry. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off, guys. We got another pedophile story for you, a systematic uh, pedophile story um, uh, from out of Germany. Um, a listener by the name of Anton sent us this. I know you guys have tread carefully when covering news like this. Uh, I looked into this a few months ago, and you can find quite a few reputable news outlets covering this bizarre and wildly unethical story, although it has had nowhere near as much exposure as it deserves. Sorry to bring this to your attention. Thanks, Anton. Uh, We accept your apology. Uh, But I would love to get your take. And he sends us a link uh, to an article with the headline, Berlin authorities place children with pedophiles for 30 years. Take a second to, to breathe that one in. Placed children with pedophiles for 30 years. Now, you might be asking yourself, was this an oversight? They just weren't aware of their records, their sex offender record, and they accidentally placed children with pedophiles for 30 years? No, it was, in fact, a, a program called the Kintler Project in West Berlin, where the government routinely placed homeless children with pedophile men um, because of, of, a, of a concept that was um, spearheaded by this one individual that posited that pedophile men would make ideal foster parents. Uh, a study found that this practice went on for many decades. Uh, so this all goes back to a gentleman by the name of Helmut Kentler, uh, who in the 1970s uh, conducted psychological experiments. Uh, he was a psychology professor. He put forth this idea that homeless children ought to be placed with pedophile men uh, because they would make for a particularly loving foster parents. And then a, an investigation by the University of Hildesheim found that authorities in Berlin not only looked the other way, but actually condoned this practice for around 30 years. Uh, the idea of sexual contact between foster parents and children was essentially um, approved, was essentially thought of as not that big a deal, possibly even like a positive thing, like some sort of form of nurturing. Berlin's child welfare offices uh, and governing Senate, according to this article in DW and in multiple corroborating articles, and again, that research from uh, Hildesheim University, they turned a blind eye or even actually approved of these placements. Now, um, actually only a few years ago, two of the victims of this program have come forward to tell their story. Uh, and then the researchers are beginning to dig back through their, uh, their archives to, you know, fill in the gaps and conduct new interviews. Uh, what they found was a quote network across educational institutes, Uh, the State Youth Welfare Office, and the Berlin Senate, in which pedophilia was accepted, supported, and even defended. Jesus. And there are going to be a lot of – there are going to be people in the crowd who want to know a specific age. So I believe these – a lot of these were disadvantaged youths uh, anywhere from 13 to 15 years old. Exactly right. Just some. Some who had been forced into sex trafficking um, as a means of survival. Uh, This has been reported, Anton, you might find this interesting. Irish Times did a great piece on this uh, back in 2016. It's weird, though, because uh, this was not something I think most many people in outside Western Europe are are aware of. And, And you have to wonder, is this like, you know how Unit 731 
in the Pacific Theater of World War II. Uh, you know how that was. The research data they gathered there was useless. They were just torturing people and calling it research. So you have to wonder whether uh, Helmut Kintler believed in these theories or whether it was some sort of um, rationalization for turning these very vulnerable children over to, as you said, Noel, um, known child abusers, at least one who had a criminal record for this. And I think, it, do we know the extent of the program? Do we know how many children we're talking about over this multi-decade span? You know, it's something that I think would actually be worth a deeper dive because I, I really only read the handful of articles that I, you know, that were cross-referenced in this DW article. Um, but it, it it almost has the uh, appearance of like to, 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 what, to what I think you were kind of uh, getting at, Ben, is it almost feels like so many of the foster fathers were high profile academics from, you know, high, highly uh, respected institutions like the Max Planck Institute uh, or Berlin's Free University uh, and also the Odenwald School in Hesse, West Germany. That was actually in and of itself at the center of a massive pedophilia scandal in the not too distant past. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's true. This is exactly this reminds me to a degree. Uh, it's not exactly the same of the piece that you covered on a recent uh, either Strange News or Listen to Mail episode about Oxfam and some of their work uh, in Haiti, um, essentially recruiting, you know, people in absolute need uh, as, you know, sex sex workers. Um, this I would I would need to see more research in this and then and, and dig deeper into, you know, the study that was done by the university. Um, but because of the high profile academics, it almost seems like kind of like a weird kind of pedophile ring for the elite. At least it has that that feel. I'm not making accusations here. I'm just saying, you know, it has sort of like an organizational quality to it that makes me think perhaps these were being vetted, you know, with uh, government yeah. uh, support. From what it seems now, the big questions are, first off, Kentler cannot be asked about this, Anton. He passed away in 2008, uh, you know, being the subject of controversy, but not the subject of criminal investigation, as far as we know. Uh, we also don't know, at least the official word, from the investigators in the later studies is that we don't know to what extent uh, the German government turned a blind eye to this or tacitly agreed. We don't know to what extent they were aware, you know, at least the authorities, people in supervisory positions. But it definitely happened. It's not a conspiracy theory. It was some sort of conspiracy. I am immensely fortunate uh, that I was not I, – I wasn't familiar with Helmut Kentler's work before this story broke because this story did a couple things this story kind of broke and then rebroke keeping up with the ongoing investigation um just you know i think i speak for our whole crew when we say our hearts go out to the uh survivors of this horrific practice um many of whom are still alive you know the 70s weren't too long ago so yeah you, you'll have to forgive me over here I, i'm i'm the disgust I think that we're all feeling, I'm just feeling it very strongly right now um, at this kind of the condoning of this from from a highly educated person that, how do they describe him in a leading position 
This guy, Helmut Kentler, was in a leading position at Berlin Center for Educational Research at the time in the 70s. Um, that this person would then put people, with, you know, with folks. And again, we're talking about thousands of kids because I haven't seen a lot of the numbers, but I, I did see in the Irish Times article that around 1970 or in the 70s when this was occurring, there were thousands of children who were who were placed throughout this program. And they're talking about people that they were placed with. So several, it says here, were high-profile academics, high-ranking members of the Max Planck Institute, Berlin's Free University, and this place called the Odenwald School, which is a whole story of its own. This also occurs in the context of um, a lot of these predators were, were using the sexual revolution as kind of a cover for their own rationalizations. And uh, the public discourse about this specific genre of abuse was held in a um, disturbingly transparent way with people actively lobbying for things like the decriminalization of adults and children. And, you know, of course, the rationalization was that this would be somehow consensual. But as we have proven in previous episodes, and as science has borne out, uh, informed consent from a child is impossible. You know what I mean? Like this, these people were lying, and they knew they were lying. Um, at this point, I, I, from what I understand, that study in June 2020 that got released, no, I believe that they're they're going to at least offer financial compensation to the survivors. Is that correct? Yes, they are looking to pay some, I guess, damages. You know, for for lack of, I guess that's the right term. But also just to kind of get to the bottom of it. And then the government is now kind of on board. Uh, there's no more turning a blind eye, and they're they're like you know wanting to you know this is actually like I mean not only is this a human rights you know, violation, absolute, you know, bungle. It's it's really a horrible PR look, you know, that like, oh, the government is that laissez-faire that they condone pedophilia. I think uh, any of us uh, would agree that that is a bridge too far. Yeah, this one, this one just makes me angry. In the same way that the uh, Oxfam story made us all angry. Because it's, again, you know, it's a situation where you're supposed to be helping these underprivileged children who need support, and they're literally being thrown to the wolves. And unfortunately, while every, every group like this, every, every uh, crime ring of this sort has its own distinct characteristics, it, they are unfortunately not unique. Um, it is – we've talked about this before. I can't remember whether on or off the air, but we do – take pains to avoid ex being exploitative or sensationalistic or alarmist about this stuff because it does not help the survivors of, of these abhorrent acts, you know. With that being said, if you have experienced this network or if you live in Germany and can give us some insight on this, uh, we, we would love to hear from you. Um, or if you have uh, experienced a network like this in some other part of the world. But thank goodness there are ethical and conscientious investigators on the case in Germany. And I got to say, Noel uh, and Anton, I know about you guys, but, you know, I'm just walking through just, just the uh, bar napkin math here. I guess 
I guess the odds are kind of against a lot of them being alive right now because we said the original guy passed away in 08. So, because uh, these people would have been adults, right? They're highly placed academics. They would have been adults in the 70s, 60s, and so on. Yeah, uh, it's true. And, you know, I, I think this is absolutely uh, important to bring up now uh, so people can start doing their own research. But I would love to to dig in. Uh, love is a strong word here. But the research being conducted ongoingly um, by the University of Hildesheim um, to see, you know, what they found and uh, and maybe a little bit more detail around the actual uh, predators in this story. Here, here. Uh, and thank you for bringing this to our attention uh, I, gentlemen, I propose that we pause for a word from our sponsor and uh, move to another story uh, holding true, you know, to your point, Noel, that this does deserve a deeper dive in the future. What do you guys say? Yeah, I'm going to do a third eye squeegee and then we'll be we'll be right back for a very different kind of story. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then 
you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, we took a break, did a little reset. Uh, and now we are back with uh, something that is also corrupt and weird, uh, but not the same kind of uh, the corrupt and weird. And it is a letter from Jen. Jen B, you write to us and you say, is it possible that Parler is actually just a long con? intended to divide and weaken us. Rebecca Mercer is financially tied to both companies, uh, Cambridge Analytica and Parler, and has backed multiple political candidates. Ted Cruz, says Jen, was an early Parler adopter and a benefactor of Mercer as well. The platform is pretty crappy, terrible security, and in general just seems, in general... Okay, sorry, Jen, I just think there was an opportunity for a pun there. But in general, uh, seems slapped together, maybe not planned to exist in the long term. This is interesting. So, Jen, first, we've got to catch up everybody else. Uh, Parlor, I'm sure if you've listened to the show, you you are familiar with it. It is a so is class slash was what's called an alt tech microblogging social networking service or app. And here in the U.S., it's known for uh, having a large, uh, a large user base of people who would be described sometimes as uh, very conservative or further on the spectrum to uh, far right wing, like to the level of uh, supremacist anti-Semites and so on. There are, of course, people on Parler or who were on Parler who were not part of that, but. You guys remember what happened with Parler recently around the time Twitter and various other large tech companies took then President Donald Trump's uh, took his handles and his accounts offline. Uh, Parler also found itself in a fix. This uh, this service, this social networking service, got its leash pulled hard by Amazon Web Services. Folks, you'll remember when we talked about Amazon in the past, uh, they make some money selling people stuff, but they make a lot of money running web services for other companies and corporations. So Parler was going to take Amazon to court for this uh, to say, you know, you you don't have the right to deny us our service. Uh, And it looked like Parler was set to uh, was set to disappear, to go gentle into that good night, as Dylan Thomas would say. But I, I I wanted to ask you guys before we go further with this story: Were any of us on Parler? Did anybody make an account to check it out? Anything like that? I had not touched it. I, uh, uh, no, know. thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Oh my god! But I don't, have, but I don't have any of the social on mm. on my personal phone or anything. So, 
<clears throat> I wouldn't have it. You're a desktop social guy, right? Not really. <laughs> All right, we'll play these. We'll play these reindeer games. Uh, I myself did not have a, uh, a, a hand in parlor either. Uh, their security seemed notably lax. You know, I think we talked in an earlier listener mail or strange news segment about uh, becoming a verified citizen and having to share your ID and and stuff like that. Well, not um, only was it lax, like, I mean, I, you know, in the same way that AWS pulled the plug uh, and also the app stores pulled the plug, so did their security platform. <laughs> you know, they basically said, yeah, no, we don't want to be associated with you anymore. That's right. That's right. Uh, and it looks that it, it looks as though that you're onto something, Jess, with Rebecca Mercer in particular. Uh, Rebecca Mercer is a co-founder of Parler and also was a co-founder of Cambridge Analytica. So, so this person in specific does have a provable hand in both of these, but also this person in specific is a very wealthy person. Very wealthy people do stuff like this all the time. So how anomalous is it? How involved is Mercer in the day-to-day? Or is this just, you know, like a thing in the portfolio? You know what I mean? Like how, how hands-on, hands-off is, is this person? Yeah, exactly. That is a good question. I'm just reading a lot about this for the first time, Ben, in some of the latest reporting out of uh, from Al Jazeera. Mm. Um. It is it is very interesting too because they you know there are many people who work for Parler who were employees who creating this app making sure it functions all the time. It is interesting to note that at least according to the latest reporting as we're recording this the employees did not quit. The there's an internal person there commenting saying the employees of Parler did not quit when everything seemed to be going to crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were committed to continuing their service in some way once they could get it back up. There's the plot twist, Jen, because just like uh, that old Mark Twain quote, the reports of Parler's death may be greatly exaggerated. You see, uh, just recently, just like yesterday, I believe, uh, Parler partially reappeared with help from not a U.S. based technology firm, but a Russian-based technology firm. Now, I, look, folks, I know this week I am setting a terrible precedent by continually talking about various aspects of Russia. But this this was interesting because Parler was on so many people's minds, and it became, it became one of those public conversations, right, about um, the responsibility of a tech company or a platform versus the rights of a user, whether they're a verified citizen or what have you. The Russian company in question is called DDoS Guard. Uh, They're a distributed denial of service protection company. And like their big uh, competitor will probably be something like Cloudflare. So I don't know. This this is the thing. If you believe that there is something suspicious about Mercer's connection to Cambridge Analytica, which we did a show on, uh, and to Parler, then I imagine this is another feather in the conspiracy cap, isn't it? I mean, does it seem suspicious to you guys, or is this just like capitalism at play? Suspicious? <laughs> well, yeah, because with Cambridge Analytica, the big deal there was gathering up of information, right, from other 
social media networks, specifically Facebook, right? I, I, maybe I'm misremembering that. I think that's correct. Um, and then with just having having this group or this person, this individual connected back to another social media network that appeared to be growing in popularity. Yeah, I think it makes complete sense. Maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm not seeing the, I'm not seeing the the bad part here, unless we're talking about just gathering up more private information from users. Do you think that's happening here? Well, I mean, every every social media app does gather and scrape whatever they can. That's why you don't have those apps on your phone, right? But uh, but I would say, yes, every everybody does this. The concern for people at this point would be who controls that gathered data. Is it a friendly government? Is it an antagonistic government? Is it, you know, the big tech companies that already would have this data? I think that's what people are worried about. And I think that's a that's a valid worry to have. But it's I mean, the big difference here, let's be honest, the big difference is mainly that Russia is not part of Five Eyes. It's like the main difference in terms gotcha. of who gets what. This is unrelated kind of, but I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, when Parler was initially shut down and taken off the app store, um, there aren't as many now, but then there were quite a few on eBay um, unlocked iPhones with Parler app pre-installed for like going for quite a bit of money. And right hmm. now I'm only seeing one, but it's $1,000 for an iPhone 11. And it specifically says with Parler app, 64 gigs, black, unlocked. Uh, good luck. Huh. Yeah. If the service is down, Good, uh, exactly. I, I, I think it's a scam. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the website. The website was reachable again as of the 18th. I want to say mm. January 18th, and the CEO. All, all that would happen if you went to the website was there would be a message from the CEO saying that he was working to restore functionality. So. If it's if that site is restored and if their infrastructure comes back, then users of Parler will be able to see and post comments on the site. The app, however, and it's part of the reason, you know, Noel, that that mention of eBay is so interesting because the app is banned from Apple and Google stores. Uh, there's probably going to continue to be controversy about this. But yeah, if if Mercer is if Mercer is involved and is hands on, is her team collecting this data? And to your point, Matt, where are they sending it? What are they doing? Are they giving it to like campaigns in the future? I could see that being a good business model. Oh, for sure, I, I could see that happening. <laughs> um, yeah, but I I don't know, man. Oh, I'm I'm reading here, Ben, something about changing because you were AWS was the big issue, right? So they were looking to another company. You said that was the DDOS company. DDOS is security, I think. DDOS is there doing security, but then the domain is actually, it looks like it may be going to another service called Epic. Is that, is that what I'm actually reading here? Um, there's one called EPIK. That's where their domain is registered now. I'm just trying to follow some of these threads that are being reported because new info is coming out pretty quickly, given that just a few days ago is when it essentially kind of came back. So there's another aspect here. Will this benefit this organization? Will this benefit this company? Because if there are a lot of people who see themselves as um, perhaps more on the pro-America side or the pro-patriotic side, however it would be phrased, 
more conservative side, perhaps, are those users going to return? Are they going to feel comfortable with this new Russian association with the app? I mean, it's a good question. I don't know what the answer is. And I'm, I'm sure not everybody will answer the same way. Uh, but then what would, what would Mercer do with that information? We want to hear from you. This story is still developing. I think there are going to be plot twists aplenty as it continues. Obviously, the, the three of us are not super into any non-governmental thing that requires your social security number or a photo of your driver's license. I mean, what's next? Blood type, list of fears, uh, known known uh, frequencies of defecation or something, like med te- medical technology gets involved with social media. Next thing you know, your BPMs are just updating automatically. That's the world we're headed toward. Um, this is a small piece. Well, yeah, I also think the, the, the extra funny part about that is, you know, we've talked about there's a certain paranoia and like internet kind of fear mongering kind of um, culture wrapped up in things like QAnon and some of these super far right conspiracy movements. And yet these folks are just giving like their geotag data to this app in utter trust and like, you know, completely uh, having it leaked because of lax security measures. So, I mean, all of these folks that are essentially outed and doxed themselves by taking selfies and live streams. Now we're starting to see all those videos trickle out and some of the really, you know, from the heart of the, the the capital, um, you know, insurrection situation are quite troubling. Uh, like actual beatings, you know, being being meted out to, to security guards and things like that, or rather Capitol Police. So I just think it's fascinating. There's so much distrust and this desire for anonymity um, in these kind of scenes. And yet this is like the exact opposite where they're literally uploading their driver's license. Agreed. You know, and that's part of that's part of what social media in general does. We've talked about in the past, like it, it drives you. The aim is to drive you to ultimately erode your own boundaries of privacy to whatever degree that company uh, feels viable and profitable for them, um, which doesn't necessarily make them bad. It just means that we should all be aware of what their motive is. Uh, so with Do you that, guys want to take it super conspiratorial, Ben? Sure, let's go. Uh, yeah, let's let's get super conspiratorial. So let's say you do have... Another state of, that wants to activate an, a populace, a small group of the populace that does happen to be armed and is adamant in their viewpoint. And Ooh, let's you, make it let's make it Bhutan. Let's see Bhutan wants to do it. Okay. <laughs> sure, Bhutan wants to do it. And they happen to have a web hosting service and they happen to have access to bots and access to other ways of infiltrating a social network that they happen to host. Um, You could ostensibly push the needle enough, generate further resentment towards whatever power that, that bees, whatever, uh, whatever uh, power that exists and foment enough to where you could Spark perhaps a revolution. That's taking it really far. Is and it that though? Is, I mean, isn't that what the Arab Spring was? But like that was viewed positively because it was an insurrection against you know oppressive forces. In Libya, there was a lot of uh, social media support 
for intervention. Uh, and then later, it turned out that the entire reason for intervention in Libya uh, was to for France to be able to control the currency or retain control of the currency. Um, I don't know. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to nitpick at all. I just think it's inter- interesting because it's almost like, you know, the folks that are in this into this whole parlor thing or into this whole movement, they would argue that they're freedom fighters and they're mm-hmm. rebelling against an oppressive regime. And, you know, oftentimes that argument holds water here. I would, I would argue it definitely, definitely doesn't, but you know, we always say one person's freedom fighters, another person's terrorists. Um, so that, you know, the medium, does the medium play a part in that, you know, in that role? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I love your point about the Arab spring, man. Um, I think that should be brought up in the conversations more often, but if it's, if it's super conspiratorial, okay, Matt, so Bhutan, has moved away from gross national happiness, and now they're into now they're into um, asymmetrical warfare. I uh, uh, and, and they do it through social media. I mean, there's a question then: how much influence do they actually have, and how much do they need to have? Right? If you're that deep in the infiltration of the app itself, of the hosting of all of these things, I think there are numerous ways that you could game the system enough to get a message out doesn't mean the message would be effective it doesn't mean everybody would bite on that bait but it does mean that it the potential could be there and like you said it could be that potential could exist across any social media network across any web hosting service and that doesn't mean it's true that's why we're calling this section very super conspiratorial well also also jen what i what i love about this question is I think there I think there absolutely is a plausible connection between Cambridge Analytica and Parler uh, without having hard proof of this other than they share the same co-founder I, I think it, it is it is possible if not plausible that you would use the information gleaned from one company to help your other company succeed if possible because that's what business owners do, you know what I mean? That's like that's the consolidation of various industries, like we see with with trust, with the formation of trust. Like Henry Ford didn't want to just own a car factory; he wanted to own the mines. He wanted to build his own rubber plantation. He did, by the way, he called it Fordlandia. It's in Brazil. It's a huge failure because it, it, it did work for a bunch of reasons. That's neither here nor there, but we do we do think this bears uh, keeping an eye on. want to hear your opinion about Cambridge Analytica, possible connection to other things. Go on a weird Bob Ross conspiracy journey with us and, and string, some, string some points together. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. With that being said, with all that stuff we've said about social media, if you are watching this on youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff, smash that like button. <laughs> Continue the conversation on Here's Where It Gets Crazy on Facebook. We're going to pause for a moment, give you time to do that, and we'll be back with more listener mail. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. 
What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. All right, and we're back. So everybody, we're going to take this party to a whole different level. Are you ready for my favorite listener correspondence that we've had in quite a long time? Are you ready Ooh, for it? I, I wasn't ready for ready. it. I was not ready when oh, I... Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. Went okay, into I, my I, eye holes. I, I know this one too, but I, 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 I read it and I'm, I'm still not sure whether I'm ready for it, but let's, let's give it a go. I'm just going to read this and we'll talk about it afterwards. This comes from Lori. Good evening. I've waited to process what happened before emailing you guys. The week after Halloween, that's 2020, my favorite holiday, I woke up around 5 a.m. from a dream where my loved one and I were cuddling while watching television. Note, Lori does not live with her significant other. 
she is dreaming about being with her significant other who is not at her house. Coming back in. I woke up lying on my left side. That's important. Alone in my bed in my home. And then my eyes shot open and I tried to stay as still as possible. Because as I lay there staring at the wall, I felt my toes curled around his toes. I still felt toes, but I was alone in my bed. I was scared to roll over. I was afraid to move at all. Then the toes were gone. I kept telling myself it was just a fading dream and that I'm not going to see anything when I roll over and I roll over. This lightning white figure in the shape of a very tall, thin man sat up. We were face to face. I could see through him. I kept reminding myself that I was awake. Then the man spoke loud with a deep voice and very, very fast. So fast that I have no idea what he was saying. I said, no, no, no. And he disappeared. I stay there for a bit. Then I had to go get my oldest son to sleep with me. Okay, we're going to pause here for a moment. First of all, what an experience, right? This Mm -hmm. feels, it feels similar to what we just discussed with our DMT entities that we've seen or that humans have been experiencing where there's this energy being that somehow manifests. Um, It reminds me of sleep paralysis, uh, especially laying on the side there, experiencing something like that. But there are reasons that we're going to get into why it doesn't feel like either of those things, why it isn't either of those things. Do you guys have any reactions to that first section there? Yeah, man. I mean, I think you I think you nail some of the common aspects here, like the idea that the experience could be sleep paralysis. Uh, which which can be terrifying, right? It's one mm-hmm. of the episodes that we we've had the most response to over the years. It makes me wonder too about the uh, the sense that we don't talk about often enough, proprioception, which is the sensation of where your body parts are in space, even if you are not looking at them directly. Like uh, that that ties into. Um, things like the the phantom hand experience that some people report when or phantom limb when they mm-hmm. experience an amputation it also ties into um this this part of your story Lori. you you feel these toes but you know you're alone in your bed so you're feeling this sensation of something that is not part of your body i i i'm interested by it I, we got we got to keep going because i gotta tell you Lori, i don't know how you went back to sleep we we can keep going and we'll we'll talk about that i i just want to say i talked to Lori for quite a while today before mm-hmm. recording this and she says that she has experienced sleep paralysis since she was a kid she knows exactly what it feels like she knows what the experience is mm-hmm. and this was not that she says excellent she was not still asleep when it occurred uh, mm-hmm. and she was able to roll physically roll over in bed and then, you know, was be able to sit up and still was having, having this visual stimulation of this being that she, she described. Uh, I asked her, you know, a couple of times, like describe to me more what you're looking at. And she said he was just lightning. Like he was white as white as lightning and I could see through him, but he was as long as me and you could tell it was in the shape of a person and I only say it was male because the voice I heard was so deep. Really, really 
interesting stuff. Yeah, and from what I understand, based just on the letter here, um, Lori, you said when the when this figure is speaking, they're they're speaking in a deeper voice, but they're speaking very very quickly. Is that correct, mm-hmm. uh, Matt? When you and Lori spoke, were were you able to get a sense of what, if anything, this figure was attempting to communicate, or even just snatches of phrases? She said she was unable to tell even if he was speaking English. It was difficult to tell. The, mm. She said the utterances were so quick and deep that it was just she and she she was experiencing such fear, like such a reaction to it, that she doesn't remember any of that. She doesn't recall exactly what was being said. And it's fascinating to me that perhaps this person or this thing wasn't even speaking English. But th- this is the point where I think we, we should continue down the letter because there's more here and Lori experienced more. She says, after this experience, she fell back to sleep immediately. Crazy. Oh, How? And, well, because she said her son, her oldest son, came to join her in bed. He's a teenager. Mm-hmm. She probably felt safe with him. Um, she was able to fall back asleep. However, the next day, my son came home from school. He was pale and exhausted. When I asked him what was wrong, he told me that he couldn't go back to sleep after this whole thing had happened and he joined her in bed. Because he kept hearing a voice that sounded like his voice, and it was mumbling against the far bedroom wall. Okay, and Lori says he's correct. The man's voice was very similar to my son's, but in a deeper register. And that is what Lori confirmed to me, that both she and her son experienced this weird thing where it sounded like an old version, an older version of her son speaking. So that right there kind of blew my mind and it made me start thinking about the Terminator franchise when there's time travel involved and, you know, there's the lightning orb essentially that transports someone back through time. Just made me think about a lightning being that somehow was her son time traveling, not saying that's what it is, but it made my mind real. You know, I was thinking not just specifically of Terminator here, but I was thinking of the, the concept of, non-linear experiences with time. So let's let's not stop. Let's keep going through this. So Lori says that this made her realize that there are a lot of other things that she had previously discounted that she and her family had experienced. She, she says that there were like coincidences that she rationalized. Um, there's weird stuff. So on two different occasions, she said her, her children, her child's bed, she's got two children. One is older, one is younger. Her younger child's bed was pushed out from the wall towards the middle of the room. Um, It's a twin size bed, so not huge and and heavy, but it's still hefty, especially for a three-year-old. And she was just wondering why it had happened. She figured her older son probably went in there and moved the bed. She spoke with both her sons. Neither of them had been in the room. Neither of them had moved the bed. They just thought, okay, that's a little weird. They pushed it back. But then it happened again. And... She couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, her father was even involved, like thinking there was something weird going on there. Um, then on several different nights, she's awoken to the sound of a man mumbling at the furthest wall, the furthest sidewall of her bedroom. Also, the sounds of someone physically rustling around in that area of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, she even experienced at one point that same voice rushing towards her. 
So like a voice beginning at, at the far end of a room and then moving towards her, just a disembodied voice moving towards her. I swear to God, that, that immediately makes my mind go to a very popular uh, horror movie sound design technique where the voice has reverb on it that's, that's flipped backwards. So it kind of reverbs into the voice. And I kind mm-hmm. of picture that like as a rushing kind of like, you know, quality of like it moving through space at you. Uh, I've certainly never experienced anything like that, but that, that's just immediately what my mind uh, hones into sound localization. Yeah, it's another. It's there's another thing that's important here for this detail, uh, Lori, which is that if you can localize or sense the direction and location of a sound, then it means that you are hearing these things through both ears, which which is an important um, an important neurocognitive detail. Mm. Please continue, Matt. Well, because, you know, sometimes people have said they've only heard something in one ear. It's a small detail, but an important one to consider. One of the things I love about Lori, when I spoke with her, she's very much attempting to rationalize everything. So mm-hmm. she's attempting to to figure out, well, what is, what is the most, what's the common denominator here? What's the most rational thing? It was probably my neighbor's television that was too loud and I was just hearing it and I was experiencing that when I hear the mumbling. Um, there are a couple times when her bed would move right around 5 a.m., sometimes a little earlier, especially when her alarm wouldn't go off. She said her bed would be physically shaking and she would wake up to the to the physical movement of her bed rather than an alarm or her son coming in to wake her up the way he would sometimes. Um She's noticing a couple other things where there are objects that are displaced around the house or knocked over. Uh, And there's even an instance where all of her light bulbs went out on the same day, all the light bulbs in the place where she lives, Um, which, you know, that would be super unnerving if that occurred. Or it could just be an electric, you know, you could explain it away with some kind of electrical surge that caused all of the light bulbs to get too much power to them too quickly and then bust them all. A coincidence that doesn't happen often. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But this is, this is, I think the last thing we're going to read from this email and we're just, we'll consider it that this is how Lori ended it. I felt this man's body. I saw this man as bright as lightning. I heard this man. My son heard this man and I will never unsee, unfeel or unhear him. This happened. Yeah, I mean, and what was your sense? I mean, obviously, from from the email, she really does strike a very analytical kind of tone. Like, she really comes off as someone who is describing a thing, not like a, a half-remembered dream, but like a thing that happened to her. And, and like you said, Matt, very much trying to suss out and try to rationalize every little detail. Is that how she was on the phone as well, Matt? She was very much like that on the phone, and, and it's something that is has disturbed her pretty heavily. Um, specifically because it appears to be affecting her son as well. And they seem to have shared experiences. So it doesn't feel like just something that happened in her sleep and then went away or something she experienced in a dream state or in a sleep paralysis state. The fact that her son, that it bothered her son so much that he was just, you know, it ruined his day essentially. Um, hearing hearing the this voice. And the other thing here is that I didn't go easy on Lori. I I was asking her as, you know, detailed questions about all of this stuff. And she was responding, you know, not as somebody who was just making something up. You know, I can't, I can't prove that to, to you or to myself that she wasn't making anything up, but she knows 
And I certainly felt that she wasn't. And, you know, there, you know, I'd ask her about the disappearing because she said that this, this, this thing, this being appeared in her bed. Then it just kind of disappeared when she said, no, no, no. And she said that it was essentially half a second, couple milliseconds of like a fade out and then just like nothing. And I would just say that I've experienced something like that before where I've woken up from a dream. I'm still half asleep, kind of got like my eyes half closed or something. And my dream state is providing images. If you guys have ever seen that kind of almost like images that are flowing downward or in a circular pattern that you'll still get the light essentially. Um, I've experienced something like that, but never in the shape of a person with a physical sensation with an audible voice. You might be surprised what you can do because that is, that is one of the side doors into lucid dreaming. Mm. I mean, I know we use this, this phrase often gets overused, but that really is a, a cognitive liminal state. If, if you're ever in that state, by the way, folks, which everybody is at some point, uh, give, give yourself, give yourself some credit. Try to, try to just imagine some cool scenarios. You're basically at that point, you're in the hollow deck where you can still steer to a degree. But then once you're out like a light, it's not you driving anymore. It's just subconscious or uh, arguably you experiencing uh, a quantum a quantum look into a universe just to the left of ours or to the right or another timeline. You know, speaking of that, I had a, a I've been having a lot of very strange dreams lately. Um, and you have to kind of like really capture them or speak them out loud right when you wake up or they're very easily just kind of totally forgotten. But I had one last night where it was the three of us and we were like in a band and we were playing the new Coachella festival, which was taking place inside a giant church. And we were all there for a uh, sound check and the Atlanta rapper Gucci Mane and his crew were there and sound checking only they were all very British and not Southern at all. And you, the three of us sat down in the balcony of the church uh, waiting for our turn to sound check, and the Gucci man and his crew came up to us and told us that we were sitting in their seats, uh, to which I, I made a big fuss and ended up getting into a fist fight with Gucci man. And that's all I remember. But you guys man, were definitely there. Don't don't fight Gucci Mane at Churchella. That's Churchella. Like, that's great. <laughs> come on, yes. come on. Uh, but yeah, that that is the moral of the story, I think, Matt. But no, I mean, look, I also um, I don't know if you, this is totally different, but have you guys ever like had like a like a piece of furniture in your room or maybe like a coat rack or something and in the right light or lack of light it really does look like a figure and if you wake up from a dream and you see that out of the corner of your eye you are for a moment convinced that that is an actual figure that is an actual entity in your room i'm not saying that's what this is i'm just saying i have a hat rack on my my closet door that's just like all my baseball hats and it's sort of in a v shape and because it's a hat and you picture a hat as being like representing a head i sometimes wake up and see that and spook the crap out of myself. Yeah, I've got something kind of like that that's been occurring lately with light coming in from the morning through a window and a tree that's obscuring a certain part where it does form the shape. It's a bit human-like, and if I'm still asleep, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, our like you said, Ben, our brains can do some really interesting things as, as that information is being processed and we're kind of transferring over from one mode to another. What what I would say and what I kind of want to leave us with on here is that Lori is, she really wants to know what happened. She mm-hmm. has purchased equipment, audio mm-hmm. and video equipment that she set up Great. in her room where this occurred. 
She's got motion a night activated, vision, right? She's got a motion activated night vision camera that is currently full. The memory is full. So she is capturing it right now and she's going through it to see if anything shows up. So hopefully we will hear soon back from Lori if she's seen anything or if we've got some footage to look at. You have to send it to us, Lori. Also, I want to say just on a personal note, uh, I love your writing style. Uh, I I think it's clear and concise, and I think you're a good storyteller. Uh, One of my favorite sentences that really surprised me in your email, Lori, was when you said, my alone time has literally been stolen. And I love my alone time. For some people, that might seem like the weird thing to worry about in this situation. But, Lori, I get it. And I bet the— We get it. I bet we all get that, right? For sure. That's it. I just want to say I think you're you're a swell writer, Lori. I'm with you, man. When I was reading it, it almost had the cadence of like a a creepypasta story. You know what I mean? Like one of those (laughs) uh, very condensed, contained, spooky stories. Because I was on the edge of my seat reading it the whole way through. That's why I had to call her and talk to her because it did it it felt unreal. And that's the first thing that we talked about was this feels like something that's been written. And and she was just like, No, I am she was so adamant about it and genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she it. does she does say that this happened very shortly after beginning to listen to our show. Mm-hmm. So you know, hopefully our show isn't haunted. <laughs> uh and and it wasn't me. I can't speak for Matt or Noel, but Laurie, I can tell you it was not me, uh, at least as far as I remember. Uh, but yes, thank you for writing in, Laurie. Keep us updated. Other folks who have stories of these similar experiences, uh, If you know, many of us find ourselves doing our best to analyze something from every angle, and sometimes we can't come up with an explanation. We want to hear about your ghostly or paranormal conundrums. Thanks also to Anton to Jen, to every single person who has written in, who has called. Uh, we, have a, we have a wonderful, wonderful gift of a gargantuan amount of feedback to go through. Uh, we're doing our best. Uh, we want you to add. We want you to add your, your voice to this conversation, your takes, your thoughts. Give us your creepy stories on the internet. Tell us your experiences, and we try to make it very easy to find us. You no longer need a Ouija board to contact the show. Uh, We've got social media. That's right. You can find us on the usual spots, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, where we are Conspiracy Stuff and Conspiracy Stuff Show. Uh, Our favorite place on the Internet is our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. All you have to do is name a name. Uh, One of the three of us, the four of us, the five of us, Doc, Mission Control, me, Ben, Matt, uh, name a topic that we've discussed or just something to make Ben chuckle and you're in. Lots of great meme sharing and uh, and friendships, lifelong friendships, if I might add, that are made on uh, Here's Where It Gets Crazy. If you don't want to use social media, give us a call. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk Please leave a message. Let us know if, if you don't want us to use your voice on the air or if you don't want us to use your name. Uh, it's easier that way because otherwise we'll just use it and we're, we're cool with that. Uh, <laughs> um, if you don't want to do that, there's a great way to contact us. We have a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Easter egg. Look at this slick mug. You want, you want one of these? T-Public. <laughs> All right, that's that's it. 
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.